Welcome to Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare, the show that shares stories, experiences, and advice from notable and innovative leaders in healthcare. Let's get started with your host, Leah Witchick. Emily Grunwald is the president and CEO of Children's Healthcare Canada and executive director of the Pediatric Chairs of Canada. Children's Healthcare Canada is a national association representing health service delivery organizations and other not-for-profit organizations serving children, youth, and their families. The focus of their work is fourfold to inform the development of innovative and integrated health systems for children, to share evidence and accelerate the implementation of high-quality child, youth, and family-centered care wherever it is delivered, to unite strategic partners in children's health, and to advocate to improve children's health and health systems. Previous to these roles, Emily spent over 10 years with the Canadian Medical Association in various director-level roles, including professional affairs, physician leadership development, and strategy and innovation. Emily has significant healthcare governance experience, having served two terms as a board member for each of Care for Home and Health Services and the Ottawa Hospital, and one term at Arne Prior Regional Health. Emily is also co-founder of Emerging Health Leaders. In 2017, Emily was recognized by the Ottawa Business Journal as recipient of the Top 40 Under 40 Award. She's also the recipient of the Canadian College of Health Leaders Robert Zed Young Health Leader Award. Hello, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Well, welcome to Central Line Leadership in Healthcare. I am really excited to have you here today. And to get us started, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, uh, where you've been in your career and where you're at right now. Sure. Um, so I guess first and foremost, I am a mom and a wife. I've got a great family at home here with me today. Uh, I've got two young kids and, and I share that because I think it's important and relevant when we're talking about our career journey and, and just being mindful of the bigger person, the bigger picture behind the person and, and their career. Um, where I am right now, I am the Chief Executive Officer of Children's Healthcare Canada and the Executive Director of the Pediatric Chairs of Canada. Um, I've been in this role since January 2017. Wow, that sounds great. And how did you get to this place? Oh, gosh. Um, do you know what? Almost my entire career to date has been spent serving national health associations. Um, uh, my career kicked off with the Canadian Medical Association, and I spent nearly 13 years with the CMA in various capacities, certainly growing from a very frontline entry-level role um, over the course of several years, uh, you know, getting different leadership experience and, and getting to work with several different teams at the CMA. I also had the chance to work with the Association of Canadian Academic Healthcare Organizations, which is now part of Healthcare Can. And so that was really a, a great chance to better understand the academic hospital community and understand you know, their, their mandate around academic uh, clinical care and research. So that was really, um, really prepared me well, actually, for this role at Children's Healthcare Canada, where I am now. Our members are health delivery organizations that serve children. And so both understanding how to serve members as individuals, but also as organizations 
um, you know, everything it just has stitched together really well. So it's been a really exciting journey. This is, I guess, my uh, 18th year of work. Oh my goodness, that seems like a lot. <laughs> um, but it, but it is all, it's one thing built after another. And certainly there was no master plan and there is no master plan. I'm a big fan of, um, of grasping the opportunities when they arise and when the time is right. So you said there was no master plan, but I'm curious to know, was healthcare kind of always on your radar or was that something unexpected for you? Oh, good question. Um, you know, I think I always had a passion for health and I didn't really know what that career plan would look like in the early days. Um, I spent most of my university life, um, you know, in the science program or in health programs and um, it was actually a professor I had at Queen's after I graduated who who sent me a note over the summer months and asked um, if I was interested in the healthcare administration program that Dalhousie or any of the universities for that matter um, offered. And I had never even heard of that program. Wow. And so it was a really great chance to kind of um, speak to him a little bit about what that would look like and what the program looked like. And almost immediately, it just felt like such a good fit. Um, I've always really enjoyed business and, and um, economics. Actually, I did quite a bit of that at university as well. And so it was a perfect blend of uh, the business world and the healthcare world. Um, and it just feel, felt like the right fit for me. Wow. So it sounds like this university professor, if it wasn't for him or her, you may have not taken this path at all. No, I had, uh, I had applied to law school and I was well on my way in that journey. So it was definitely... Um, one of those forks in the road and a real pivot for me in terms of where, where my career was heading. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. And uh, is it all good so far? Oh, I love it. You know, I, um, I wouldn't make any other choice. Nice. And I spend a lot of time um, speaking with young leaders about, you know, what the future could look like for them in a health career, a health professions career. And um, I certainly have no regrets. So if you can maybe share with us a little bit about your role currently, what do you do? What, it's, what, what is it all about? So Children's Healthcare Canada um, is a great organization. It's 50 years young, as we like to say. Um, and our role is really, um, I would say, threefold. So really thinking about how we influence and can inform the health systems that serve children. Um, like many parts of our health system, uh, there's many dimensions that are quite siloed um, and even different community um, and healthcare providers uh, operate in their own context. And so really thinking about where are those opportunities for synergy and how do we make this um, a better experience for the patients and their families who are just partners in their care. So we spend a lot of time um, thinking about that. We also spend a lot of time providing education to uh, frontline leaders, healthcare professionals um, who are serving children's healthcare organizations. Also, we do quite a bit of knowledge mobilization work, whether it's webinars or tweet chats or otherwise conferences and events um, to make sure that we can spread and scale innovation in children's health um, as much as possible. And then I would say the third piece is around um, shaping policy and advocacy. So when we think about the role the federal government can play um, informing health systems in general, but more specifically for children, I think there's a really great opportunity to elevate what makes children different. And sometimes, uh, you know, we use the expression a lot that kids are not little adults, um, but it's easy to forget that. And kids have very unique needs. And so do their, their parents who are partners in their care. And so the opportunity for Children's Healthcare Canada to bring those ideas and those policy solutions to the forefront, um, I think is a really important role for our, our organization. And I love what you're mentioning about 
the fact that children are not little adults and their care does look very different. I worked several years at the Alberta Children's Hospital, and prior to that, I had all my experience in adult acute care. And it was quite a shift for me, a shift in thinking and a shift in the way I worked, recognizing that, as you mentioned, the parents are partners in care and and that that needs to be taken into consideration with every decision and every point of contact within the system. So you're a mom, so I imagine there's some personal interest in the area of pediatrics, um, but maybe share a little bit more about um, why pediatrics, why children's care. Hmm. Well, I think um, you probably hit the nail on the head. I have, thankfully, knock on wood, two very healthy children, but within my circle of peers and uh, whether those are professional peers or friends, um, you know, there are many whose lives look very different with their children and they spend a great deal of uh, time navigating the healthcare system on behalf of their children. And mm -hmm. when the opportunity came up, I thought, you know, this is really just such um, an important opportunity to consider both from a leadership development and growth perspective, um, career growth perspective, but also just a really meaningful way to contribute to something bigger. And I just thought, you know, where you find that intersection between what you love and where you feel like you can make a difference, um, mm -hmm. that's a, a really neat spot to be in and a real fortunate opportunity. So, um, so it was a, a pretty quick decision or a pretty quick opportunity when, when I saw it that I wanted to pursue for sure. Yeah, nice. And I'm curious to know, uh, what has been some of those leadership lessons that you've learned from this role? Oh, my goodness. So many, um, so, so many, many leadership, <laughs> so many leadership lessons, so many, uh, so many just practical life lessons too. I think, you know, really the value of partnerships, particularly for an organization like ours, um, you know, we're quite small. We're a small not-for-profit. My team is uh, 10 folks strong. So we're certainly um, smaller than some of the other national organizations out there. But, uh, you know, the, the real opportunity to bring together others who share a common vision and to think about what can we achieve together. And, you know, that's never an easy path um, mm -hmm. to follow. But, uh, you know, there's strength in numbers. And I think um, there's real value in those relationships in, in the short term and in the long term. And so I think, especially in this role, I have learned um, how important it is to, to build alliances and to really think about um, creating common visions. And it's not necessarily about you and your organizations, but the bigger picture. And so, um, so that journey has been really important and a really important lesson for me. Um, I think it's also really hard right now, given where we're at in this, you know, pandemic to, to reflect on what leadership looks like during uncertain times. And you know, that takes many shapes, I suppose. Like I think about um, how important my role as a leader has been with my team and supporting them on this journey as they, uh, you know, have been disrupted in their day-to-day -day lives. What like to work from home when kids um, are very present in the situation where you're caring for parents or siblings um, right. or you're dealing with spouses who have lost their jobs. So it, it, it's been a really interesting leadership perspective or journey from that perspective, but also you know, from an operations and even from a strategy perspective, like really, you know, all the work that you've done um, basically gets thrown up into the air and you're, you're scrambling to catch the pieces and think about what's the, the next direction that we're going to pursue that's going to help us stay on track with our strategy, but also is operationally feasible. 
Um, mm. So it's been incredibly uh, challenging times, but also just a period, I would say, of rapid growth and reflection to think about what my role is as a leader of this organization during these extraordinary times. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm curious to know, what would you say is the biggest shift you've had to make as a leader during this time of COVID? Mm -hmm. The biggest shift, I mean, my goodness, I think everything in our world has shifted, quite frankly. Um, you know, how we work as a team, but also what we're working on and how we're serving our members has shifted mm -hmm. significantly. I mean, some of the core pillars are still there, but what the tactics are to deliver on those pillars have changed in ways we couldn't have imagined. Um, mm -hmm. You know, taking a large scale flagship annual conference event of 400 people and transitioning that in less than six months time to something virtual is um, yes. equally exhilarating and terrifying at the same <laughs> time. Um, thinking about our revenue base and, and where we generate, um, you know, our operating revenue, that is, hugely um, at risk at this point in time. And so to think about how do we um, continue to stay the course, deliver value, seek out you know, new kind of creative ways to generate revenue and, and thereby demonstrating value to members is, is one of those things that keeps me up at night. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, I would say it, it's hard to put definitions on how much has changed over the last nine weeks. Mm-hmm. But what really struck me is, in what you said is that idea that uh, we have to be a bit creative, or maybe I shouldn't yeah. say a bit creative, but we have to be quite creative in this time. And uh, part of that creativity is the flexibility to respond to all of these changes and also all of these risks that are um, maybe not realized. And, and maybe they might never be realized, but the risk is there. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, I mean, the creativity is kind of the fun part, right? Because suddenly all the barriers that we had imagined that were in place that would stop us from, for example, converting an event to something virtual, they, they've been stripped away. And really, we have no choice but to dive into the deep end and figure it out. And I, I, I feel like I thrive in that environment. I think that's just a really, mm. a really fun way to operate. Um, one of my previous CEOs at the CMA uh, had this expression about failing fast. And, you know, it's, mm. it's that idea of permitting creativity and chaos, but also acknowledging where, okay, this isn't going the way we wanted it to. And so just pulling the reins back quickly, but acknowledging that that's part of the process, right, is testing these new ideas. And so I've really embraced that, um, well, I'd say always, but especially in the last uh, nine weeks or so. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms mm -hmm. of risk, I mean, that's another real interesting discussion, because I think the other piece that I'm learning is um, you know, how to work with my board and how do we assess the different risks and, and, you know, what's our risk tolerance during these times versus during normal times and, and having those conversations, um, obviously respecting the fact that they are, they are, um, you know, working at full capacity as well in their own health organization. So it's been, um, that's been another real opportunity for learning and growth, I think, during this pandemic. And I think you bring up a really good point in that, we have to embrace this opportunity and and see it as an opportunity. Uh, if we don't, we become stagnant and we're not necessarily able to thrive in this environment and, and be responsive. So you said something really interesting about learning and growth. And so I just want to shift to your time 
as a co-founder of Emerging Health Leaders. So I'm really interested in knowing what was the motivation for this and, and what was the gap that you were seeing? Oh, gosh. Um, emerging Health Leaders, for sure, is one of, one of those things that I'm most proud of when I think about my career. Um, emerging Health Leaders was you know, founded with a girlfriend who was also employed in the health professions at the time. And of course there was wine involved, but you know, we were, we were just lamenting about the lack of opportunity for professional development and for networking for young leaders um, in health. And whether you're a clinical professional or whether you're an administrator or a researcher, you know, it just seemed like um, many of the networks and organizations out there for professionals were very much geared towards senior leaders. Right which is perfectly appropriate, but we just thought, you know, there's an opportunity here to, to grow our own network um, and to take some leadership and ownership over our career growth um, and our own leadership development. So, so we, you know, we brainstormed the idea and um, we kind of socialized it with a few of our, our colleagues and we organized a preliminary um, sort of like coffee night uh, to talk about it. And I think we had, we had invited about 14 friends essentially um, but we had over 40 people show up and we wow. just thought that that was extraordinary in terms of we'd obviously tapped into something that was um, a common challenge or a common concern um, amongst our colleagues or our peers. Uh, you know, one thing led to another and we were we were um, invited to present at different conferences. Word spreads quickly. Healthcare is a small community, as you know. Um, and just the idea and the energy and the enthusiasm really took off. And we were approached um, by folks across the country, recognizing the exact same gaps that we had recognized in Ottawa mm -hmm. and asking if they could create, you know, a local node, whether it was Edmonton or Montreal or Vancouver, et cetera. And um, the, the network has grown. I think we founded it in 2006. So I guess that makes it 14 years old now. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's hard to wrap numbers around uh, the size of the community because we don't have the infrastructure, uh, you know, that large, very established organizations do. But, you know, we estimate that we have between 1,500 and 2,000 emerging health leaders across the country who are engaged in the nodes from coast to coast. And it's, um, it's just so wonderful, you know, now having stepped away largely. Um, to see the network continue to thrive and continue to, you know, navigate the health system as it transitions over time mm -hmm. and that it maintains its relevance and it maintains its uniqueness and its accessibility, which has always been really important to us. Mm, nice. Well, I have to tell you, I am a former member of Emerging Health Leaders and I, oh, cool. yeah, I definitely reached out to our uh, local Calgary node for all of the reasons that you outlined around the founding of it, really looking for an opportunity to enhance my professional development where I was at at the time and tap into some of that networking and the opportunities around that. I'm interested in knowing what were the early days like for you in, in the founding of Emerging Health Leaders? What were the challenges that you saw in those early days? Oh my goodness. Um, many of the challenges that we saw in the early days are probably some of the challenges the nodes are still grappling with, to be honest. Um, you know, it's, it's tapping into what are, you know, sort of the common challenges of that cohort and identifying, you know, how can we um, create partnerships and relationships with others to help us to serve some of these needs. So whether it's, you know, inviting senior leaders to come speak, um, whether it's 
you know, uh, leaning into organizations to donate, you know, a conference room or even, you know, muffins and some juice um, to facilitate the meeting. Uh, you know, it's just some of those basic infrastructure requirements um, were a challenge then, and I think there's still a challenge now. There's not, um, you know, a thriving business model behind emerging health leaders. You know, our goal was always and always has been to make it as accessible as possible. So, you know, there aren't restrictive membership fees involved that um, that would, you know, prohibit participation. But on the other hand, you know, give the organization a degree of um, financial support it needs to to kind of thrive and and be more nimble. Um, so that's that's been a challenge, and I think it's still a challenge. But I will say, what have, was most rewarding then, and I'd be curious to know is if that's still the case, is just um, how keen the senior leaders are to give back to the emerging leaders. I don't ever remember being turned down when we asked someone if they would share their leadership journey or you know participate in a fireside chat or. Um, you know, share interview tips or what they're looking for in the next generation of leaders. You know, people are are bending over backwards to to participate in those conversations and and to give back um, to that next generation. And I always found that just really rewarding. Mm-hmm. And how encouraging to have that enthusiasm for giving back from the sen- more senior leaders to uh, those who maybe are newer to leadership or or emerging. And I think, you know, the, one of the big pieces of value I see in emerging health leaders is making that connection. Um, sometimes I think it's pretty challenging for newer health leaders to find those people who are willing to share their time. And, and as you mentioned, the willingness is there. It's just about connecting the dots and, and facilitating that process. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you see as the continued role of emerging health leaders in the support and development of newer leaders? And I'm thinking particularly in this time of pandemic. Yeah, you know, I think um, growing what we'll call adaptable leadership skills um, are always really important, but they've probably never been more relevant than they are now. Um, You know, understanding how you navigate uncertainty as a leader, how you can engage and lean into others um, during that journey, and even thinking about, you know, what does success look like now in this new reality versus what it might have looked like last week. And and I so I think, you know, these leaders who are, to use a term that's probably well overused, you know, agile or nimble or you know, like, I just, I think those skills are so important now. And the leaders and the organizations that are thriving have adopted that mentality and and um, and I think we're going to see the most creative solutions from them, right? And, and I think those are the organizations that are not just going to survive this pandemic; they're going to thrive. And so, if we can think about how do we um, how do we build those skills into our next generation of health leaders, and what's the role for emerging health leaders providing those opportunities? You know, even just within the local governance structure of emerging leaders, it's a great opportunity to kind of flex those muscles in a very safe space amongst your peers, whether you're, you know, a local node chair or you're, you know, someone who's working on communications in, in one of the local nodes. It's a great chance to, to test some of those skills and to learn and to adapt um, to the environment. And so I think emerging health leaders has been a great um, safe space for some of those leaders to, to develop. Your comment about that safe space is really apt. Um, 
we know that sometimes it's pretty challenging to try new things or experiment a little bit when you are in the workplace and there are the pressures of the workplace. So providing that forum or that space to to maybe experiment a little bit is, I think, really crucial. What is your hope for emerging health leaders going forward? I think my hope is that they continue to be relevant. Um, we don't know what the future will bring in terms of um, our health systems and how they will evolve over time. But, um, you know, I think creating that space where emerging leaders can connect with one another, they build their network. We, I mean, I think every one of us can think of several examples of how their network has opened doors for them in one way or another. And as a young leader, when you first graduate, it, it's intimidating to think about, you know, how do I build quote unquote, that kitchen cabinet, or how do I build my, my cohort of peers around me um, for support? And, and so I think, um, mm-hmm. I think there will always be a space um, for emerging health leaders to be relevant um, for, for that cohort. Um, I think, you know, just like we talked about for Children's Healthcare Canada, partnerships are really important for emerging health leaders too. And so navigating how emerging health leaders can partner with other organizations or other leaders um, to facilitate growth of the network, to facilitate access to different leaders, or even to, to infrastructure support is, is really critical. And some of those, those challenges haven't been solved yet, for sure, but um, for sure in the days and the months and mm-hmm. the years ahead, um, I hope that that network can continue to thrive and, and continue to be accessible. And I think that accessibility is so key and, and giving the ability and the opportunity for emerging health leaders to do all of those things that you outlined is so crucial. You have extensive experience in health governance, and I'm really interested in knowing what has been the most challenging experience you've had. So I um, dipped my toes into governance quite young. Um, I volunteered locally um, with a chapter of the Canadian College of Health Leaders, almost fresh out of university. And so that was a great opportunity. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And I had opportunities um, across the city. I've always focused my governance on in in the health sector. Um, And I had the opportunity to be chosen to sit on the board of governors for a large academic health science center. And it was a really incredible opportunity. Um, But I was still quite young. I think I was 29 at the time. And so I remember distinctly my first meeting, um, looking around the board table and realizing how different I was from everyone else. Um, I mean, in mm. many ways, the group wasn't diverse at all. Um, but in other ways, I, I couldn't have felt more different from my peers around that table at that time. And so I think one of the biggest challenges I faced in, in almost any of the governance roles or, or organizations that I joined as a governor has been, um, you know, establishing why I wanted to sit around that table and really demonstrating that I could add value to the conversations. Um, And so I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I love to speak to young leaders and I am always um, an advocate for, you know, growing your leadership experience and growing your network through governance opportunities. But um, I also, try to remind them that it's okay to be young. It's okay to be different and to look different from everyone else around the table. And, you know, over the last 10 years, things have changed significantly. There's more women around governance boards. There's more um, sort of openness to different perspectives and, and 
uh, age, of course, being being one significant factor. We're seeing more younger leaders sitting around governance tables and, and seeing that as a strength. Um, and so it's been really interesting to sort mm-hmm. of live through those the last 15 years or so, um, seeing that transformation take place. But for sure, it's a challenge when you're the youngest one around the table. Um, it's a great opportunity to mm-hmm. learn from your peers around the table. It's without question the best professional development I have ever had um, is to join a board and to understand how different pieces of the health system work, um, what the different challenges are, where the opportunities for partnership are, where the where the innovation happens. Um, but it it uh, it's been an interesting journey. Mm, absolutely, and. Because you were the youngest person sitting at the table, because you looked around the table and saw that you were different from many of the others that were there, what were the fears or the worries that popped into your mind? It's very intimidating um, as a young leader to sit at a table like that and try to establish yourself as an equal. Um, You know, you're sitting beside at that point. very senior executives from many different fields, many different sectors. Uh, And so I think, you know, practicing listening and practicing asking questions was really important to me um, to make me feel more confident. And I think to develop relationships with these leaders who are around the table. And and I think, you know, as you develop those relationships, you get to know each other as um, individuals and to understand the different experience sets that you bring and the value of those different experience sets that you bring. Um, and thinking about that in the context of a healthcare system and, and your role um, navigating sort of the governance of those systems. So, uh, yeah, I think those have been for me when I, when I think back about the journey, definitely it's, it's making sure that you get involved early and you're asking questions and building those relationships. Um, I think that helped me for sure feel much more comfortable and confident. If there are listeners out there who are thinking of becoming more involved in health governance, what piece of advice would you have for them? Well, I would say jump in for sure. At a minimum, it's, it's great mm-hmm. to expose yourself to what the interview process is for, for governance roles, but also uh, it's understanding leadership from a very different perspective. Um, which I think has helped me in my job today immensely to understand, you know, what's the role of the board and what are the questions I should be expecting um, to hear from my board and what are their, what are their responsibilities and, and how can I help prepare for conversations that I might have with them. I think one of the things that I always um, acknowledge is it's something you need to take really seriously and it's something that you need to have the time for. Um, when I think about the different organizations mm-hmm. that I've served over the years, um, you know, some, obviously there's a continuum of, of um, commitment involved. Um, but the larger the organization, the more complex the organization, it, it becomes a job. It becomes almost a full-time job. Um, when I, was, when I right. served the Ottawa Hospital Board, it was probably 12 hours a week um, that I was committing to committee meetings, um, to preparing for those committee meetings, phone calls. Um, and it, it, so it's not just serving the board. You're typically involved in, in many of the sub, at least one, if not more subcommittees, um, which is really where some of the exciting discussions take place. But we have to carve out the time for that. And that is a very practical challenge for younger leaders who might be toggling uh, a younger family or other commitments um, and trying to build and establish themselves in their own full-time career. So it is a challenge and it's something you need to be aware of, I think, when you're thinking about whether or not you want to um, engage in a governance opportunity. And I think that's great advice and uh, great insight into 
the need to maybe consider how you're going to balance all of those pieces. And, uh, you know, you bring up a, a excellent point that a lot of our younger leaders do have young families at home and have uh, some commitments that might look a little bit different uh, as a result than perhaps more senior leaders. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm curious to hear from you. Uh, what do you see as the role um, of the government in children's health? Sure. So, um, you know, I'm going to speak about the federal government because that's where I spend most of my time, both um, that's where I spent most of my time in, throughout yep. my career, um, quite frankly, in terms of um, healthcare associations. So when I think about the federal government and the role that they play, um, they're really, I see them being tasked with setting a vision and a goal. Um, and committing resources to make sure that Canada is a leader in my environment when it comes to child health and child health outcomes. So they really set sort of that, um, that bar for where we want to be as a country with respect to how we're valuing um, the health of children and youth in this country. Um, if we think about more, you know, Specifically, what's the role of the federal government in children's health care? Well, we look at the Minister of Health mandate letter and, uh, you know, there's multiple examples where her role um, is to advise or provide leadership over things like uh, a mental health strategy for youth, um, an autism strategy, a pharmacare strategy, right. the opioid crisis, um, things like food security or even end of life. These are all issues that have direct relevance to children's health. And so our role as a national organization is to think about how do we share evidence um, that can help to inform how those policies or that legislation could take shape. Now, we know the government uh, is a pretty large system, and there are some challenges that come along with that. And so I'm interested in knowing what do you need to do to kind of navigate some of those challenges that you encounter? I think it comes back almost to the basics of building relationships. I mean, it can be very intimidating to think about, you know, how would I ever engage with a federal minister or an MP or a senator? And, um, you know, what we've learned, what we've learned to Children's Healthcare Canada, what I've learned over time is, um, you know, they really look to partners like um, organizations like ourselves um, to help inform and to help provide that evidence base where they might not have subject matter expertise. And so, um, more often than not, when you reach out uh, and offer that experience or evidence or insight, they're pretty quick to pick up the phone. Um, and no, things don't move quickly at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but those conversations in and of themselves can be very rewarding. And there are pockets of opportunity where, you know, working together with partners, um, you can influence change. And we've seen, you know, significant success and significant evidence of that. And so I find it very rewarding um, and certainly not something I had anticipated when I got into a career in healthcare was what that opportunity would be to influence and shape that policy with federal decision makers. So it's, it's something that I found really exciting and, and I continue to learn more about every day. Yeah, that's so interesting. So I hear that uh, despite the, the size and complexity of our federal government, that the willingness to engage with partners is, is there. And that uh, the individuals that m contribute to and make up the government are really looking to external partners for guidance and advice. And, and that's so encouraging to me because um, it really, I think, speaks to that idea of having that common vision and that shared goal of improving children's health. 
So this is clearly really important to you, the work that you do, and I can hear the passion in your voice. So what makes this so important to you? I think it's a pretty straightforward answer. I think it's because I genuinely love my job. I get up in the morning and I am excited to tackle the day ahead. It's very rare um, that I wake up on a Monday or any day of the week and really struggle to be motivated um, to head into the office, whatever that office looks like. Um, And I truly love the folks I work with. I'm challenged every day, but I am surrounded by peers who both inspire me and they motivate me whether they're peers or whether they're patients and families, I learn from and I love serving them throughout the course of my career. And I think whenever I meet new physicians or whenever I meet with hospital administrators or again, the patients and their families, it's clear that together we have an opportunity to make a positive change and really um, leave an impact on our healthcare system. And so when I think about the choices I've made in my career and where I'm at today, I, I can't imagine asking for anything more than that. It's amazing to hear the level of fulfillment that you experience from the work you're doing and that knowledge that you're having such an impact. Switching gears a little bit, I'm interested in knowing as a leader, what are the skills that you've had to draw on the most in order to get the job done? You know, I think um, many of your listeners will be familiar with the LEADS framework. Um, LEADS is a healthcare framework made in Canada. Um, I love it because it's so practical. And one of the key domains is develops coalitions. And I think more than anything, that's um, what I have learned so much about in the last 10 years is truly we are better when we are together. And, you know, there's um, always potholes in that journey. but without question, the value at the end is unquestionable. And what we are able to achieve together just outstrips anything that we could do individually. And so I think, um, you know, how, how we work with partners, how we work with our staff, how we work with um, others speaks so directly to who we are as leaders. Um, and I think also speaks to the success that we're able to achieve as leaders within our own, whatever leaders looks like in your own domain, right? Whether that's an organizational leader, whether that's, um, you know, a small L leader in your own department or on your own team. So I think um, that piece around how we treat others, how you're consistent with your values, it just says so much about who you are. And it reminds me of that saying that, um, I'm not going to get it right, but that idea that you know people won't remember you for what you achieved, but how you treated them and how you made them feel. And I think that's um, so important to me and something I reflect on often. I love that. Uh, and I love that that's the saying that comes to mind because I think it's such a powerful message. And, you know, having worked quite a bit with leads and working with people who are integrating leads either into their personal practice or their organizational practice, It's interesting to me that the domain of developing coalitions often seems to be one of the trickier ones for people. Um, So I guess what advice would you give or, or maybe it's not about advice, maybe it's about what would you say to people who want to really focus in on developing those coalitions, breaking down those silos and bringing people together? So I had a a different CEO um, back in the day, and he had this great analogy about carpooling. And if you're going to carpool, 
you need to have a common vision, right? Like, where are we going? We're going to the same place. Awesome. Yeah. We need to sort of share in the work to get there. We need to share in the risk associated with getting there. But we also need to share in the, the reward and celebrate that success when we get there together. And there's been so many instances where I think about that analogy and I think about, do we have those critical um, pieces in place for a partnership to be successful? And, you know, nice. any one of those um, legs of the stool, so to speak, that might be missing or any one of those dimensions that's missing usually is enough to hold you back from being successful. And so just really thinking through at the offset, making sure that you have articulated what are the goals? How are we sharing risk? How are we sharing reward? Um, I think is really important. And uh, it seems simple and it might seem corny, but um, it has served me well. I love that analogy. That's uh, that's brilliant. And it really just uh, solidifies that idea of what needs to happen to get alignment and have everyone working towards a common goal and working towards that that same direction. Mm -hmm. What would you say needs to happen to develop up and coming health governance leaders? What do they need to understand? I think it is that bigger picture, right? It's thinking about how different systems relate um, and where are we, where are patients or um, providers falling through the cracks? Like what, where are those areas that we're tripping over and how do these different systems connect? Because I think more often than not, you know, within your own little silo, it's pretty um, straightforward to have an operating model um, that works efficiently. But but to truly make gains, to truly innovate and think about how we're transforming systems, it's really about how different pieces of that puzzle fit together. Um, mm. And so I think, you know, understanding the bigger picture, um, the bigger system within, within which an organization is working is, is really critical. And, you know, what's the different role of the different players? What's the role of the provincial government um, to your organization or the relationship with the provincial government to the federal government or with patients or with your community? Um, those are all really right. important stakeholders and, and it's knitting all that together, I think, um, and the opportunity to create a vision with those other organizations or those other leaders or those other stakeholders, um, that's really going to help position that organization for success in your role, I suppose, as a governor. I think all of that just really fits with that idea of collaboration and and thinking about how do we support the dismantling of the silos that we are still seeing in our system. You know, the other observation I would make, um, we don't really learn much about governance. Like if I think back to university or any other professional development, I mean, unless you're taking a, a a specific certificate of which now there are many, but um, you know, if you think yeah. about your core learning, I don't remember ever addressing the role of governance and the responsibilities of governors. Um, so that's something I think, I feel like you've learned along your career journey, but maybe we could do a better job of that in the future is really thinking about and helping to prepare and helping to nurture that next generation of leaders who are going to contribute from a governance perspective. Um, helping them understand what the opportunity is, but also what the responsibilities are. Well, and, you know, that resonates with me so much because I think back to my own education 
and an early career. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think I had any sense of what health governance was all about, um, or the process or the responsibilities or the role. Um, so, you know, I would really echo that in that if we are able to provide that foundation for people, it may spark an interest where they think, you know, that's really where I want to be. Because it's such a critical role. And I think it's one of those roles that sometimes gets overlooked. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even as a leader, there's a great opportunity for me to expose my team um, to governance through their opportunity to engage with my board, right? And so that's something I always look for. Yeah. And I've been fortunate in the past in different organizations to have had that opportunity as well. And so I think that helped open my eyes to, you know, what the role of the board is and, and kind of pique my interest and think about what, you know, how could I give back in that, in that way? Um, I think that's an interesting opportunity for leaders to think about too, is how they can, they can give exposure to their teams, um, to the world of governance. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to move to our final question then. And uh, what final piece of wisdom would you like to share? Well, I'd say at the risk of sounding like a broken record, it's just really being mindful of your leadership style and how you're engaging with others, how you're treating others, um, and really being true to your own values. There's lots of ways Mm. uh, and opportunities to feel pressured to act differently, different examples of leadership that you're going to see. And I think just really reflecting on you and your values and and how you want to be um, perceived as a leader and, and how you want to lead. And I think, you know, spending time thinking about what that means to you is really important um, because at the end of the day, it, it really speaks to who you are and your character. Um, and, you know, things aren't always going to go smoothly. Um, but if you're true to yourself and true to your character, I think you're at the end of the day going to be um, proud of, of your leadership and proud of, um, or you can look back on what you've accomplished with pride. And so I think just uh, that, that piece about how you're treating others mm-hmm. and how others are going to remember you is, is just really been important to me and um, what I would like to share with others. So important. Emily, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you and and hearing your perspective and your passion around uh, the work that you do. Thanks, Leah. Same. Thanks so much for joining us today at Central Line, Leadership in Healthcare. Also, if you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to get to know you on social media. So check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.